CBS Eye on the World, Hotel Mars, Episode N. I'm John Batsler. David Livingston, Dr. Space himself, joins me as my colleague and co-host and co-pilot. We're headed to 13.787 billion years ago, minus 100 million. That is the beginning near to and the mysteries of those early stars. To help us understand the early stars, the first stars, discovered now with several telescopes, not the least of which is the James Webb, we welcome Joanna Kutsuridu, Professor of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Florence, and her discovery with her team is of a descendant of that first giant star called the Pair Instability Supernova, or PISA. A long time ago, Joanna, congratulations. I read of your work in Science Magazine. I understand you've published a paper. I have not read the paper. I've read the science piece, which makes it fetching to me that I don't understand what we've discovered here or what you've discovered. What is it, a population three star? The original was called a population three star. What was that before we come to your discovery? Good evening to you. Good evening to you, John and David. Thank you very much for having me. So, uh, we in astronomy, we refer to uh, the first stars that ever formed in the universe as population three stars. So, the main characteristic of these stars is that they formed out of the pristine gas that was left over after the Big Bang. So this gas consists mainly out of hydrogen and helium. So these stars are metal-free. Uh, if we observe them, we would expect no metals in their atmospheres. Now, they are believed to uh, start forming, as you said, around 100 million years after the Big Bang. And they produce the first light in the universe. So before that, we have um, area and era that is called the dark ages of the universe. And besides the first light, they also produce the first chemical elements that are necessary for the universe today, like carbon, oxygen, basically all the elements that are heavier than uh, helium. So a population three is the beginning, beginning. And that population three star we have not seen yet. Your work involves a descendant of that population three, and we'll come to that in a moment. David, you have a question for the professor. Uh, yes, uh, good morning, West Coast time. Um, the, the science article talked about searching in the Milky Way. Are these potential stars elsewhere in the universe? Can you search in other galaxies in other areas? Do we have that kind of capability or technology? So what we are trying, what we are observing today in the Milky Way and also in our galaxy and also in its uh, close uh, satellite galaxies are not the first stars. I mean, we could also observe them, them, but we haven't found one yet. But the second generation stars, so very metal poor stars that were formed out of the gas that was enriched by the first stars. Um, however, of course, these first stars or their descendants uh, would reside in all galaxies, but uh, with today's technology, we cannot uh, observe individual stars in uh, further galaxies. So we, we are limited in our own galaxy and its satellites. 
You found one. You found one that you na- you give an elaborate name to. It's the date when you found it. What is it about that star that told you this is it? This is Eureka. We found. What is it? Uh, a metal, no metals, and made up of the gas that comes from the piece in the original star. What? Did, how did it? How did you know it? Is it size? Is it density? What tells you? So these stars that has been found from uh, the Lamost survey in this summer is a very metal poor star that has in its atmosphere a chemical pattern that fits exactly the chemical elements that we expect of uh, to be released from a first star. But not in general a first star, but a particular type of the first stars that are uh, expected to have formed. Uh, that are called per instability stars. And these are the most massive first stars that we um, are hypothetical, that are expected to have formed in the universe. So until this summer, we had no proof that these stars ever existed. But uh, because of this discovery, um, we have found the descendant of one of these for the first time. So this is a very important discovery for the masses of the first stars. This this is J1010 plus 2358. That is 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 the the descendant. David, you have a question. Um, So this was found by China using their large telescope. What other telescopes are you planning to use that can also search for this? So, yes, this star was found from this telescope that has a low resolution, and then it ha- was uh, it has been followed up with a high-resolution uh, spectrograph in the Sibaru telescope. And we, as a team, are planning to observe again this star using the very large telescope in uh, Chile in the following months to confirm if this is truly a peristability supernova descendant and also if, there, if it has inherited elements from also other supernova besides this. Professor, you, then, you've used yes. the term several times now, and I must ask for definition. Pair instability. What does that mean? A pair exactly. instability star. Exactly. Uh, so, as I say, this is a particular type of supernova explosion that is called pair instability, which is the most energetic explosion that a star can have, and it can occur only in very massive stars. So these stars are not formed today in the universe. They have masses of 140 times the mass of our sun and going up to approximately 300 times the mass of our sun. And they have such energetic explosions that completely disrupt the whole star. So they produced a very large mass of metals and release it in the surrounding uh, medium. The explosion itself creates metals. Metals are everything more more than helium, right? The rest of the, the exactly, periodic table. Yes. So the explosion itself creates the metals that the universe had. And you don't think that happens anymore, or does it still happen? Uh, at this age in the universe, we, um, stars so big, like 140 times the mass of our star, do not form anymore. This is why we don't have these energetic explosions. 
So we believe that uh, now in the universe stars form at maximum 100 solar masses, the, ma- the most massive stars that we can have. So this explosion could only happen very early on in the universe where we expect the masses of stars to be larger than today. David? What constrains or limits the explosions not to be as large anymore or the mass not to be as large anymore? Why is that not possible today? So the reason that the the first stars could have been more massive than those that we observe today is because of the lack of metals in the universe at the time. So basically, metals are very efficient in cooling the gas uh, so that it can collapse to form uh, to form a star. But in the lack of metals, the gas remains very hot, and in order to collapse, it needs to have a much larger mass so that gravity can overcome, basically, the pressure of the gas. So this is the reason that without metal, stars were expected probably to be more massive. And it, they, they, are, uh, they are estimated to be until like 1,000 times the mass of our sun. You're looking at a descendant of the population three star that is theoretical. We've never seen one as of now, but they might exist because the James Webb telescope is taking us closer and closer to the Big Bang. You're like a detective, Joanna. You're dealing with a, with an event that happened more than 13 billion years ago and you're looking at the evidence right now, right around us. And I need to yeah. understand what tells you that This star was formed out of that original population three. Is there some chemical signature in the hydrogen and helium that says this is a population three evidence? What, what, how do you recognize it? So this star does not only have a hydrogen and helium in its atmosphere, but it has also the metals that it has inherited from its progenitor. So basically this first star. So it's the, the child of the first star. So the elements that we see have a very unique pattern, which is only theoretically expected of these first pop three stars. So the very massive first pop three stars are only expected to have this signature. So you had a theory. There was a theory of what the population three stars had inside them. You looked for stars that have a match of that. What do you call it? Equation? What, are, what uh, elements? The metal elements? Exactly. The like with the chemical abundance pattern that we see in the atmosphere. So basically, the ratio of the different elements. How many of those have you found? The descendants. So in this star, they have um, they have uh, found twelve different chemical elements which show us that this star is almost certainly a descendant of this first star. But we would uh, have to find even more chemical elements to confirm if, there, if it had also more progenitors. I see. So this is what we expect to do in the following months. I see. David, another question. So I'm a little bit confused. So it took 100 million years after the Big Bang before any stars were formed? Yes. What was there before the stars were formed? So before the stars were formed, there was this area that is called the Dark Ages, and basically we have the universe 
consisting only of neutral hydrogen and helium. And then we have the first gas accumulating in mini halos that would become later on as they grow the galaxies that we see today. So the first stars are forming in very small uh, progenitors of the galaxies that we see today, basically. Uh, so the Big Bang, 100 million years go by, everything's dark, and then all of a sudden the population of three stars light up. I understand that. That's as far as I've gotten. And yes. they eventually exploded and created metals. And those metals populated the cosmos and built the stars, the galaxies, the complex galaxies that the James Webb has been finding. So we're, we're coming towards us. And the star that you found, the Pison that you found, is a descendant of that original explosion. And there's more than one descendant. There are lots of descendants. However, that original star, the Population 3 star, it's still there if we're searching far back. Are we looking for one, uh, uh, an original population three at 100 million years? Can the James Webb get that close? So, in principle, the James Webb Space Telescope could detect the original uh, population three stars. Uh, however, not individual stars, but like a group of stars that has to be large in order to be detected, and also only these individual stars were also very massive in, or, in order to be luminous enough so that the James Webb sees them. So for, it's not certain for sure that we will detect them even with a James Webb Space Telescope. Are they looking? Uh, are, you, are they looking? Yes, they are looking for that. And also, it is possible to detect surviving first stars even closer to our own galaxy provided that they were small enough to live until now. So basically, if a first star formed also with very low masses, they would have very large lifetimes and we could be able to observe them here. So it, this is also another possibility. We're speaking with Professor Kutsurudu, who is a Ridu, who is a professor at the University of Florence in Physics and Astronomy, Joanna. And she is telling us about how time travel back to more than 13 billion years ago. And when we come back, we're going to give the professor an unlimited budget and ask what what's next in the search for either more of the descendants of the original Population 3 or Population 3 itself. David Livingston, Dr. Space. This is Hotel Mars, Episode N. I'm John Batsu. I'm John Batsu with Joanna Kutsurudu. Who, Ridu, who is a professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Florence. She and her team have discovered a descendant of the original Population 3 star, the first stars formed, massive, huge things, that eventually exploded and created everything more, more on the periodic table than helium, so-called metals. Professor, an unlimited budget. I know that you fight for telescope time. You book months ahead of time. You make your proposals. We're giving you an unlimited budget, so you don't have to worry about all that. You can buy the time you want. What happens next with you and your team? Thank you. So what we have seen with this study is that given only one descendant of a population three star, we can have so much information on the mass, on the masses of the first stars and the properties. So imagine if what we could do if we had more stars, basically. So the first 
point is to have uh, to enlarge the catalog of very metal poor stars with the very high quality spectra that we have. And um, then, uh, as a theorist myself, I would devote a large part of this budget to uh, produce more sophisticated models that we need in order to interpret the data that we are having and we are expecting to, to have in the future. You would take a budget to produce more models. Does that mean hiring exactly. people? Does that mean more 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 names on the chart? You need a bigger team? We need a bigger team, yes, to produce uh, stellar evolution models and galaxy formation models in order to interpret the data that we are expecting to have in the following years. David, you have and a question. Go ahead, David. Is this a fairly common field of study in astronomy? So if you wanted to enlarge your team, it would be relatively easy to find new members for your team? Uh, this is becoming actually a popular uh, field these years because also in the following years we are expecting a large amount of data from uh, spectroscopic surveys. So we expect the, the number of uh, metal poor stars, so probably descendants of the first stars, to become like, uh, to increase by a factor of 100 at least in the following years. Yeah. So, yes, I think it will have revolutionized the studies. Professor, I've saved the strangest question to last. What you've discovered, the descendant of a population three and the search for population three, is this all consistent with the theories we had before the James Webb? Does this match up to our understanding of the evolution of the universe, or are there inconsistencies here? We have about a minute. Uh, you mean the discovery of this uh, parastability descendant? Yes. Did that disrupt anything in the theory of, the, of evolution of the cosmos? No. Actually, it confirmed the theory of stellar evolution regarding the first stars. And uh, the problem was that before we were finding it that we were doubting if these first stars would be as massive as the models uh, predicted. So actually it was a confirmation of the models in this case. Ah, that's David, that's very good news. James Webb has confirmed what was only theoretical. Correct. But uh, this was not uh, the discovery of James Webb. So it was a discovery of a star in our own galaxy. Ah. So from James Webb, we still expect to see what it will find in relation to the first stars. You're very generous, Professor. Professor Joanna Kutsuridu of the University of Florence, Department of Physics and Astronomy, with our unlimited budget, is in search of a larger team to do larger models as we discover more descendants of the population three in the beginning, more than 13 billion years ago. Uh, even time doesn't work here. At some point early in the development of our cosmos. This is Hotel Mars with David Livingston, and I'm John Batchelor.